This is the Men of Athens podcast, making the unknown God known to a very religious world. For more information, check out menofathens.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Men of Athens podcast. I am Thomas Lawson, and sitting across the table from me is not Dave Barry. I am actually recording this uh, in Ljubljana, Slovenia. I have come over here to pay a visit to this guy and Matt Mormitz. How you doing, bro? Doing good. Thanks, Thomas. It's been awesome these last couple of days to be here in Ljubljana. Uh, see your ministry a little bit, get to know your, you and your family a little bit better. You've got an awesome yeah, family, three nice. kids, wonderful wife. And so, um, yeah, just to give a, a quick background. So Matt and Sharon Mormantz, uh and their family have been serving here in Ljubljana for seven years. Is that right? Yeah, seven will be eight coming up in a little bit. Awesome. And our church, Gresham Bible Church in Gresham, Oregon, is one of the churches that uh, supports them. We're their sending church. Yes, you are. So this is meant to be kind of a, um, just kind of a pastoral visit, get to know their family better, know their ministry better, figure out ways that we can support them. So Matt, take a, take a few minutes, tell us about yourself and your family and what you do here in Slovenia. Yeah, uh, so we work with a mission organization called Josiah Venture. <clears throat> and yeah, like you said, we've been here seven years, originally from the Northwest. Uh, Portland, Oregon was a home, actually specifically boring Oregon. So I grew up there and, um, yeah, so I got three little kids. Uh, Eliana is nine, Maya is seven, Alex is five. And our primary focus, uh, has been college students here in Ljubljana. It's definitely, uh, it's the capital city of Slovenia and there are a lot of college students, like 60,000. So, um, wide open ministries. And in a country like this, where the evangelical church is really small, um, about 1,800 uh, out of 2 million people. Uh, so, yeah, we got a lot of opportunities mm. to talk about God and in a culture, which most of Europe now is post-Christian. And I say Slovenia is definitely right there. We're, we're really post-Christian in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah. I remember the first time I met you, it was almost five years ago. We had just moved to the Northwest, and you and your family— I think we're, or maybe like just you were in town for a visit back in the States and I knew we were supporting you as a church, but I didn't really know much about your ministry. Now I'm, I'm going to be a little embarrassed to say this because I like to normally keep up with geography pretty well. But the first time I heard Slovenia, I had no idea where it was. Yeah. Most don't like, yeah. I've had people ask Africa, like, yeah. So lots of, lots of where's, <laughs> and it's a tiny country, really. It's like an eighth of the size of Oregon, about the size of New Jersey. So Small country, Central Europe, uh, right below Austria, next to Italy, Croatia, and Hungary. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. Small little place. Former Yugoslavia for all you old folks. Yeah. Yeah, like my generation and older, uh, they're, they're going to probably gel with that a little bit because yeah. we grew up hearing about Yugoslavia. Right. And then, you know, everything kind of fell apart. And then I don't think after that many people know what happened. Yeah, they're exactly. Like, yeah. Yep. There were some wars and some genocide back yeah. And then uh, it just kind of dropped off the map. It's just over there somewhere. Somewhere. It's that place over there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've been here for three days. I'm going to be here for about uh, two, two and a half more days after this. Mm -hmm. So the trip's going by fast. It's been just fascinating to see the context of your ministry over here. Um, tell us a little bit about, like, 
what it's been for you this last seven years, um, just maybe a story or maybe maybe some you know little bit of information that has been meaningful to you since you've been here and adapting to the culture, learning, getting to know people, mm-hmm. um, challenges maybe, um, you know, things that have, you've liked, things you've disliked. Sure. Wow. Kind of go okay. with that. I know I've asked you like five different questions. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's exciting. Exciting. <laughs> I got options, you know? Yes. You guys like options. So, um, yeah, uh, man, ministry here has been um, great in many ways. Um, as in a lot of places that aren't, you know, China or Costa Rica, uh, ministry has been slow. Um, and so that's always discouraging. You know, I think you, you come to the mission field, you're like, God's called me here. Huge things are going to happen. And then reality hits mm-hmm. and you realize, whoa, this is pretty rocky soil. Like I've even, my, my pastor of my local church here said, it's like trying to plant crops on cement is what he said a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, Ooh, yeah, I don't, I'm not quite there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's a little, uh, a little harsh, but, um, definitely, definitely tough though. Um, and few respond to the gospel. I mean, you try to spread the seeds out and I know it falls on different kinds of soil, but a lot of it falls on the rocks and people just don't care. Um, the climate here, like spiritual climate, it's, it's pretty, um, people have an idea cause it was a Catholic country, um, even just like 10 years ago, it was primarily Catholic. It's still technically a Catholic country. Technically, yeah. it's a Catholic country. That's their traditional, their heritage. Um, but the Catholic church is literally dying. Like churches, there's beautiful churches everywhere up on the hills. Like there's, my parents came to visit and they're like, man, there's churches everywhere. Why are you guys here? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, because those churches are empty. Yeah. And some of them don't even open up on Sundays because it's just a monument, essentially, to what the church was here in Slovenia. Um. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been slow, but man, there's been some people who take it and that seed falls on some great soil and they learn and grow and reproduce. And it's, and so you get those stories that are just amazing. And that's what keeps you going because I think, uh, becoming a missionary is in general, I would say very humbling. Mm -hmm. Like you're like, okay, I've got training, you know, I've done schooling, I've done ministry, I've lots of things. Uh, and then you jump into a place that you don't know well. The culture is different. The language is different. And it's it can be brutal at times. So Has it been difficult to learn the language over the last seven years? For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not the, not my, my gifting would be languages. Um, so it's it's been a struggle. And I, the other part of that struggle is that Slovenes in general speak fairly decent English. Uh-huh. Um the report I read was 80% of the people in our capital here speak um, some English for sure. They start mm-hmm. learning it usually nowadays, first grade. Like it's a required language through grade school and high school. And so so a lot of people actually, it's, that can be amazing though too, because then people want to practice their English. They want to like, oh, you're, you're a native speaker. So you get invited into classrooms yeah. at times. So it opens up a lot of doors too. But uh, living in a place where it's the capital, you get a lot of tourists, most people speak English, it's harder to learn the language because you're not forced to. Yeah. And sometimes when we're not forced to do things, it's just easy to be lazy. And Yeah. Yeah. You know, coming here, uh, so most people that are listening from our church are going to know this. And if anybody's listening outside of that context, they may not know. But our family served in Russia for about five years mm-hmm. doing ministry there. And since that time, we've had, you know, ongoing connections there. So... I came here um, kind of intentionally not looking up a whole lot about the culture 
beforehand because I wanted to, to experience it firsthand because I, I wanted to compare and contrast. And I remember you telling me it's much more Western than the rest of Eastern Europe because so much of what uh, you know I experienced living in Russia, our family experienced there, other parts of Eastern Europe, there there's a very drab feel to it. There, oh, yeah. There's, there's For sure. poor, broken-down infrastructure. I mean, if you go to Moscow, St. Petersburg, places like that, you're going to see a much better infrastructure. You're going to see a, a, a nicer developed place. But a lot of Russia is still very developing in that way. Not not like a third world country, but right. but still very developing. A lot of very drab old Soviet architecture. So yeah. I almost had that picture in my mind. And coming here, it's been like, whoa, <laughs> it's it's beautiful. It's actually a very well-developed country. And so just the other day, um, when we were waiting for you to get the car, uh, so we, you know, it was on Saturday, we took that little drive out to that um, uh, Blade, that yeah. little town of Blade. Right. Um, beautiful day, beautiful scenery. And I remember your wife sharing something with me about someone coming here <laughs> yeah. and, and seeing the country and saying, well, you guys really aren't missionaries because it was so beautiful. And I just, you know, I understand that we have this mentality that, the missionary has to be in an impoverished, right. broken down wreck of a place. And that, that's kind of this idea, you know. But people who live in beautiful places need the gospel too. Right. You know, it's kind of like saying if if, sure. if if you use that logic, right. it would be like, uh, well, why don't we just have everybody, you know, the Northwest is beautiful. But let me tell you. <laughs> oh, man. Portland, the Pacific Northwest, <laughs> right. needs the gospel part. Right. You know, sure. so we don't think in terms sure. of like, oh, I can't send you to go be a church planner in Colorado. It's too nice there. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, the Bible says nature declares. Yeah. And so I guess people in the nice places are just supposed to pick up on that, you know, more and yeah. just automatically follow Jesus, right? Yeah. No. But at the same time, it can mean that for a lot of people, they think if you've got uh, and if you've got creature comforts in, in right. clean water, sure. that that yeah. somehow means your mission work is not going to be hard still. Right. Because at the end of the day, you're dealing with, with people whose, whose lives can be very hard. And, and breaking the ice with them can be just, a, just as painful as Absolutely. other things. In know? fact, some places I think, you know, where it is developing and there's a lot of problems, a lot of needs, war. I mean, people are, they're looking for something. Like they're searching, they're looking for like life isn't working. Yeah. So there's got to be something else. So they're actually sometimes a lot more open to the gospel, I think, than places like, well, Europe right now, where it's like, we've got what we need. We're comfortable. We're not looking for anything more. Like we're good. I'm just keep doing my job, keep doing my thing. And, and, uh, yeah, wait for the next iPhone to come out. When you've got a lot of functional saviors. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you're going to look to those instead of the true savior. Right. And I mean, Moses talks about that in the yeah. old Testament. He's like, you're going to get into the land. You're going to get these vineyards. You guys didn't plant. You're going to become comfortable and you're going to forget about me. Right. Mm. And I think that's, that's just, it's human nature. When things are easy, things are good. I don't look for a savior because I think, man, I'm good. Yeah. I got this. When the reality is we don't got this. We're a mess. Right. Yeah. We're a mess. Everybody's a mess. But, um, yeah, it's harder to convince people that they mm -hmm. need a savior. And, you know, I don't mean to do this the entire episode, I'm not going to do it, but I think about early on in the days of mission work in Russia and the former Soviet Union, when the walls were coming down, mm -hmm. um, there was there was a seeking because there had been such a closed off period of time 
where people couldn't hear from the outside. They couldn't hear the gospel. Uh, there was a lot of economic stress and strife. And so right. people were, were looking for something. There was a lot of fruit that was born in those days. But as even in, in, in the period of our ministry that we've had in Russia over the years, we've seen people become less and less and less and less interested because things are developing. Right. The iPhone is coming out. The next gadget right. is coming out. Jobs are becoming more plentiful. Um, and the more that happens, the less people seem interested in the gospel. For sure. And I think there's that newness, too. Even when, like, Yugoslavia, you know, collapsed, there was uh, missionaries would come into places and also Czechoslovakia when that stopped. And I know missionaries went in Czech. And there was for sure a, a big openness, too, um, towards mm. God and spiritual things because it was new. It was, you know, there's, there's change. And so I think when there's change like that, things are shaken up. People are just naturally more open. Um, but, yeah. As it, it's, it starts to close down, those windows close pretty quick. Yeah. Well, we're talking today about the subject, basically. We're asking the question, what is a missionary? And that may seem like a dumb question for a Christian, someone who, who's a believer, but maybe someone's a young believer and doesn't really know that. And even people who may have been in the church for a long time may be asking, you know, why do we do things the way we do? And I know... In my context, having worked in missions for a long time, I, I continue to work for a mission organization serving an administration stateside. I had a conversation with someone a while back uh, in which I talked about how, you know, our ministry is, our personal ministry is going into places among indigenous people groups because we want to see them come to know the gospel. And it was, why would you want to change their culture? Why sure. would, you know, they have their own beliefs to each his own. So what's the point of, of sending it out and, and destroying someone else's culture and destroying someone else's belief system? It's basically, aren't they fine just like they are? Yeah, that's a huge assumption right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, like that people are fine just the way they are. I think, I mean, obviously I'm coming from a biblical perspective mm -hmm. here. Um, and the Bible says people are not fine the, the way they are. I mean, Romans 1 is a clear example that without God and we're left to ourselves, like... We go in all kinds of crazy directions. Mm -hmm. um, we start thinking some wild thoughts. We, I mean, look at, you can look at the world today and just look at history. Um, and you look around and like, this world is broken. It's very clear. Yeah. From the wars to the suffering um, to the greed. Um, it's, it's a mess. And so now, is there bright spots here and there? Of course there is. But um, in general, though, I would say relationships are pretty broken. Um, cultures are don't lean towards justice and and hope um, they lean towards destruction yeah and, and pain and stuff like that so um, for sure cultures by themselves don't figure it out yeah, yeah. so I think we're created by the creator uh, for love and for relationships I think Jesus makes that very clear um, but a lot of people miss that. And that's why even in the Bible, like they had to get laws of like, okay, you, you don't know how to love. So let me teach you how to love. Let me give you some practical stuff because you guys are missing it. Hmm. Uh, and so I, I've heard that before too, where someone said, you know, like, why would you go to Africa? These unspoiled, you know, cultures. I went to South Sudan one time uh, on a trip and uh, a guy from Switzerland just berated me on it. Like, how could you go and, and mess up these, these people and import your values and, and because uh, he had gone on a mission trip too, but it was totally humanitarian. They were helping with um, 
I think some literature and hospitals and stuff like that. But the reality is we're always importing our values. Yeah. That's just what we do. Like the things that I love and that are important to me, I tell others about and I do things in, a, in line with those. And so he was doing it with his secular humanism of like man is the center. Uh, we don't need God. Uh, and so he thought just with knowledge and medical help, these people will figure it out. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, do they even need medical help then? We're importing that value of like Western yeah. culture and like, we, you know, you got to be as healthy as you can, all that stuff. Um, so it's a, it's a tough thing, but I, I don't think people get it right on their own. I don't get it right on my own. Right. <laughs> I need people around me speaking truth into my life and helping me focus on who God is and, and how to love. Yeah. So, and even just to, to tag onto that, even you're always going to be either explicitly or implicitly for sure um, thrusting your values upon someone else. Cause even if you don't go, even if you avoid humanitarian work, there's, there's a sense in which your values yeah. are affecting those people. Absolutely. So it's not, uh, you're, you're not blameless no yeah. matter what position you come from. Yeah. Um, you know, thinking about as a Christian, we, we, we do see glimpses of what you might call common grace in the world. Um, you do see prosperity in some cultures sure. and, and not, not that that's a Christian value per se, but maybe there's the concept of fairness. Maybe sure. there's the concept of justice or uh, lack of corruption or those kind of things. We can be happy about those things, mm-hmm. but those things don't save. None right. of those saves. And I think even those good things come from God. From right. his goodness and who he is. Um, yeah, he reigns on the, the just and the wicked. The, yep, the just and the unjust, exactly. Yeah. So um, so even we do get little pictures of, of God's heart and, and legitimate love uh, around, but uh, left to ourselves, I think we, mm. we tend to make a mess out of things. So we have the Great Commission at the end of Matthew 28. Yep. All authority has been given, heaven and earth has been given to me. Go yep. therefore and make disciples of all nations. Good verse. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the, to end, the end of the age. age. I, I, I like melded a bunch of different translations there because I learned in the old King James, then I was NASB for a while, ESV, NIV. You're like so a it's walking a... message, Thomas. <laughs> no, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, Tim Hawkins? I think there's a recipe for Rice Krispie treats in there. <laughs> There might be. I haven't checked it. I haven't, I haven't read that much of it, honestly. <laughs> I have a copy on my shelf. I, I've referenced it a couple times. Like, mm. Anyway, not to knock anybody who likes the message. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Eugene's a great guy. So Yeah, uh, never met him. But um, so, so we have this command uh, by Jesus given to his disciples yeah. uh, to go and make other disciples. Right. And, you know, going back to that original question, why do we send out missionaries? Um, you kind of covered the the whole world that cultures were not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because of a firm belief that what Jesus says, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Or like it says in 1 John, yep. he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Mm-hmm. It's pretty clear. Yeah. And, and whatever term you use, evangelicals, biblical Christians, however, there is a firm belief that it that is unavoidable in Scripture. I've heard people try to avoid this, mm-hmm. but that without Christ, you are not saved. There is no salvation apart he from Christ. He is the Savior. Yes. So. So it's not. It's done. That's it. You know, find your own way nope. to Muhammad or, or to, to Allah right. through you know the teachings of the Prophet Muhammad. Right. The whole elephant and the you know the blind guys looking at the yeah. elephant. And it's like this and this and this and. 
I just, yeah, I just think that breaks down because it comes back to the lunatic, you know, the liar mm. um, or Lord. It's yeah. like, are, if it, was Jesus crazy when he said these things? Did he just lie? Or is he actually God himself incarnate in the flesh? Yeah. Um, so I, I think it is unavoidable if you believe that the Bible is correct. Right. And, and that's the presupposition we're starting with. The Bible is true and Christ is the only way of salvation. Yep, for sure. Um, if we believe that, then we, we have an unavoidable weight of responsibility on us as Christians to see others come to Christ and become his disciples to follow him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. It's, I mean, John one, I think is, I love John and chapter one here says, you know, the true light that enlightens everyone was coming into the world and he was in the world and the world was made through him. Like the creator came and the world was made through him yet. The world did not know him. Mm. John one ten, And it's like, this is like, that should be a jaw drop right there, you know, that, that God came into the world, the world he created, and creation didn't recognize him. Mm. They didn't see him as God. And so, yeah, we, we all carry this, this responsibility of, um, well, and I think uh, 1 Corinthians does a good job too, uh, or 2 Corinthians, sorry, 2 Corinthians 5, yeah, when he's talking about um, God has given this ministry of reconciliation, like, God is in the process of, of reconciling. That's what he is. Like he's a, he's a reconciler. And so he gives this, this responsibility of, of reconciliation. It says, um, verse 8, 518, all is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. So mm-hmm. like, now we got this message of reconciliation. So like, what are you going to do with it? And I think that's what a, mi- a missionary is. Is like, what are you going to do with that, that, that message, the good news that you've been given of there is a God and he's good and he's provided a way to yeah. get to know him and be close to him and be reconciled to God. Like, that's huge. Yeah. And I, I go back, I'm thinking about that conversation you had with the guy from Sweden who was... Uh, from Sweden, right? Switzerland. Uh, Switzerland, Switzerland. Switzerland. Yep. Excuse me. Think about that conversation you had with that guy from, from Switzerland, how he was so upset with you that you were importing your values to South Sudan. Or was it Sudan or South Sudan? Yeah, South, it was, South at the time it was Sudan, now South Sudan. Yeah. Right. Um, but what I think a lot of people miss sometimes, especially for an unbeliever, and I understand that if, the, if their hearts kind of darken to these things, they're not going to be understanding of it. There, there is a deep motivation of love that is happening. Oh, yeah. You, you can accuse me of importing my values or some kind of selfish motivation, but when you, when you look at like your theology, my theology, or another um, Bible-believing Christian's theology, we believe that those who do not know Christ and have submitted their lives to him and been made new, they're under God's judgment. And we don't want them to be under God's judgment. We want them to have the unsearchable riches of Christ. Right. So the motivation for doing this is not so that Matt Mormance can come over to Slovenia, chalk up a bunch of, you know, yeah. uh, you know, it's like, hey, we had so many people come to believe right. the thing that I believe. Yeah. Um, the motivation is born out of a, a love that God has laid on your heart right. for the youth of the, the young people of Slovenia and Slovenia as a whole right now. Right. Um, because you want them to have what you have. Sure, man. Like, 
Absolutely. Uh, Jesus said a new commandment I give to you, like love, Mm -hmm. like love one another. Like that's the, that's the new command. And so, yeah, that's the message. That's the, is it, like I said, there's a good God out there and he wants relationship. Mm -hmm. And so turn, turn and get to know him. Like, and so, yeah, I, I don't do it for prayer letters (laughs) to look good and all that. Like you do it because, um, I want people to know the hope yeah. and the joy and the love that's in Christ. Like, that's it. Like, now, can it get muddled at times? For sure. Yeah. Uh, life does that. And our motivations can go on some goofy turns at times. And so, and we can get caught up with pleasing people and, and trying to justify ourselves uh, as missionaries. Whoa, 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 whoa. You mean missionaries aren't perfect. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, it's true. There's <laughs> nothing magical about that. That steel tube called an airplane. <laughs> like, yeah. you're the same person you got on and the same person you got off. So, um, yeah, there's no transformations that happen as you fly. And, yeah, so we get it off, too. And that's why we need people around us to, to keep correcting us. But, mm-hmm. yes, it's, it's all about love. It's about letting the light be seen um, and that people would recognize their creator and yeah. fall in love with him. I mean, Jesus is amazingly beautiful. Like, there's just no way around it. He, as I read the Gospels, it's just like, this guy is amazing. Mm-hmm. This God-man is, like, unbelievable in how he deals with people, how he loves sacrificially, how he just gives and doesn't think about his needs. Like, it's just, it's beautiful. And then so, for people to get to know that kind of a God, mm-hmm. that there's not, you know, some angry God who's waiting to smash them and, and destroy them, um, but there's actually a God who's reaching out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's... It's such an easy one, too, because it's, it's faith. Like, it's not like, do all these things and you can become a Christian. It's believe. Mm-hmm. Repent of your sins and turn and believe that Jesus is the Lord. Yeah. That he's God. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a, it is good news. Like, yeah. it's legitimately really good news. Yeah. Do you ever get any funny looks when you tell people, do you tell people you're a missionary or do you phrase it in different terms? Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll say I'm a missionary and people are like, you know, <laughs> you get that like, what? Um, yeah, it depends on the context. Yeah. Uh, people always ask, what's your profession? Uh, and by that, they mean like, what did you major in in uh, university? And so I, I can say theology, a theologue, and, and they're like, oh, okay. And then they understand, or I tell them I work with churches and with youth and and help develop uh, uh, youth groups and leadership. And they're like, oh, and then they just get confused and <laughs> write you off. So I'm like, oh, weirdo. All right. So when I, when I went to seminary, um, I had a professor. So we, we, I went to a, a reformed seminary, reformed theological seminary. So we, we ended up reading a lot of Puritans. And um, there was a guy named William Perkins. And he, uh, have you read William Perkins before? Okay. So he, he, he says that preaching is the, He's a teacher of the science of living blessedly forever. <laughs> there you go. And one of my professors said that he started using that when people ask, what do you do? He's like, I'm a teacher of the science of living blessedly forever. And he got some strange responses. <laughs> really? That there. is odd. I, I'm having a hard time imagining that. <laughs> yeah, in any context. Um, there, there's one time a, a young long border dude was asking me like, so like, why are you here? Like, what do you do, man? Uh, it wasn't quite like that, but. Yeah, because uh, he's not a surfer. But uh, I was like, I'm a priest. Like, I use the Slovene word dehonic, you know, like, uh, uh-huh. and he was like, what? Like, you're the craziest priest I've ever met. 
I'm like, cause they don't get the idea of pastor. Like there's no concept of what a pastor is. I mean, if you only got 1800 believers out of 2 million, there's no idea. Like what is a pastor? That's just not a word that anybody would yeah. know. So the closest word would then be priest. And they're like, they were shocked that there was a priest along. And I mean, I took some, obviously some, some freedom in saying that, uh, we're all priests of all believers, but, uh, you could tell people you're a shepherd. A shepherd, yeah. They're like, that makes no sense to you. You don't look like a shepherd. We're just weird. I mean, it's yeah. just how it is. And that's okay. Yeah. I'm all right it, with that. I know around the world, there's there's missionaries that don't use that word, missionary, for various reasons. Some right. become there because they're in restricted countries. Yeah. Um, others because it's been drugged through the mud. Yeah. I mean, very, very sadly, um, there have been people that have gone out, supposedly, in the name of Christ, and have done horrible things. Sad. Um, in, in our mission organization that, that I serve with, Interact Ministries, we, we have ministries throughout uh, North America. Um, and you take a look at a country like Canada where there was this history of what was called the, the Indian residential schools. Mm-hmm. 90% of them were run by people who professed to be Christians. And this is where they were taking uh, the young native youth away from their homes uh, forcibly, oh, um, wow. forcing them not to speak their native language, beating them if they were. And within most of these schools, there are horrible cases of of abuse, physical, sexual um, uh, neglect, uh, kids dying of TB because they they just weren't treated, getting infections. And um, this this was done by people who, at least in name, carried the name of Christ. Dude, that's wrong. So you've got this, uh, and I'm sure this is not the only place in the world, it's it's all over the place. Sure. I, I mean, I know in places where there have been types of mission work like that happen, where there was kind of this forced conversion, yeah. or um, at least professing to be Christian people went in and did terrible things. You've got this huge wall that has to be broken down mm-hmm. before the gospel can be communicated. Because immediately, if you yeah. use the term missionary, you're out. Yep. You're you're cut off completely. Yeah. Um, so you got to. Uh, I, I've heard people use terms as like, I'm, I'm a, I say, how did he put it? You know, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a teacher of, yeah. uh, I'm a teacher of the path of Jesus Christ. I'm trying to think of how he phrased it, but it was, it was something like that. Because if he said that, it didn't immediately throw up that wall. Well, yeah. And sometimes you almost got to throw, like make people think a little bit mm-hmm. to get them outside of a box. And so, yeah, like. A follower of Christ or something like that. And Teacher then, of the science of living blessedly forever. Right. Yeah. And we have some history, like people, you say something about the church, everybody automatically assumes Catholic and like, oh, there's problems with the Catholic church. We're kind of beyond that. A lot of corruption in the past, blah, 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 here in Slovenia. And so, uh, so even, yeah, you gotta, you gotta be careful mm-hmm. who you say you are, but yeah. So what's been, I, we were joking a little bit even before we started this podcast episode about um, having a missionary translation device. <laughs> okay, the reason we're doing this, cause, so I'm, I'm over here, Slovenia, I didn't bring my big microphone set up with me, I, I brought this little handheld recorder, and um, it's a good recorder, it's one of these, you know, it's got the two microphones it's at nice. the top. I'm looking at it right now, yeah, it's, looking at it. it's, it's really pretty. pretty. It is sweet. Shiny. But uh, there was a video a number of years ago on uh, going around about the manslator. 
Okay, the manslayer was this little <laughs> device that you would hold, a man could hold, and it would translate the words of a woman, what she really meant. So that she the man. How much are those? Understand. Can I? I don't know. I, I think, I like, I like oh, to buy one. they were seven payments of ninety nine ninety nine. Is the way with the because that's the gift expensive. that keeps on giving. Let's be yeah. honest. So in the in this fake commercial, the manslayer kind of looked like this this handheld device we were joking about. Right. We need one of those for for missionaries. You yeah. Know? So um, we've been doing mission work for over 10 years, 11 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been doing it about the same. You were in Latvia that, before, then you're um, here now. No, Lithuania, excuse yep. me. Lithuania, excuse me. Um, you've gotten... <sighs> Tell me some of the struggles of uh, mission life. Like, you know, yeah, either way, up or down. You know, some of the things you've been through, like... Um, it, because I, I let me just share my own personal experience. Yeah, go ahead. That fear of writing that prayer letter. Oh man! And in saying, uh, when your family, okay, families going through a terrible time, terrible. cultural stresses, right? Um, maybe personal struggles, right? A time um, of refinement. Thomas. A time of, and then you. <laughs> That's where we're going through a time of refinement. <laughs> You're thinking, how can I write this in this letter here? Oh. Uh, so that people know we're having a bit of a rough spot, but not too rough because, yeah. you know, um, we don't want them to, to get too worried. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we joked about, we're going through a time of refinement and the translation of that would be like, life is brutal right now. Everything is terrible. <laughs> Things are falling apart. <laughs> or, uh, we could really use your prayer for more. You know, that God will provide our support. It's like, we're yeah. broke. We need financial partners right now. We're searching for a few. Yeah, it's like, uh, our kids aren't eating. No, not yes. quite that bad. But yeah, it's a, it's, it's a tough line to walk, man. Like, yeah, because, yeah, we all live on support. And uh, usually people don't like talking a whole lot about money. And usually people don't like asking for money. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it can be tricky. And I think there's also that... Um, that sense of like, I, I mean, I was preaching a few weeks ago and, and I said, you know, we all need to start dropping that mask that we wear. And I said, if you've been a Christian for more than a week, you probably know how to put on a mask and say, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's good. Everything, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, we just can't be the body if we got those masks up. Like we can't, if I don't know what's going on in your life, like how can I help bear your burdens? Yeah. There's just no way to, to really love you. So, um, so I was just encouraging people to like to be honest and, and, but it's tough though, especially through a prayer letter, because like, I don't sit down with people except for maybe every two, three, four years, you know, supporters yeah. and actually connect with them. And even that's just like maybe over dinner or coffee. And so, uh, it's, it's hard to, to really connect with people and let them know what you're going through. And, uh, it's hard to have community. Let's yeah. put it that way. And so you got to, my wife is really good. She's kind of like that Holy Spirit filter for me as I write <laughs> prayer updates because I'm like, I usually say too much. And, and my wife's like, I don't know if we can write this, you know. But uh, so it's, it's good to have a team where you know how to say things and how people will receive them. Yeah. So it's, a, it's tricky. If, if there was, you know, you, you had said somebody asked you this question one time about what, what do you want us to know? Or, or if you have the opportunity to share with, the church or with people who support you, 
one thing or two things you want them to know? I can't remember how the question was phrased. It was something like that. You said they interviewed you on uh, yeah. stage. One of my buddies. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what was the question he asked you? It was, it was interesting how he put it. I, yeah. I mean, he, just, he was going to preach at a church down in, in uh, California and they asked him like, hey, what do, what do people need to know? Like what yeah. struggles, what stuff do you guys go through that people just would have no idea to ask? Yeah. Questions like that. Are you okay sharing a few of those? Like, even yeah, right I mean, now? I gotta, like, let me think of them real quick. Uh, <laughs> so as I, as I think about them, <laughs> that totally there helps Thomas. Oh, good. Just, for I'll take uh, crazy missionary stories for 10,000, Alex. Um, there you go. So, yeah, I mean, I think we always struggle. I think every human struggles with works-based salvation. Like that's just, we always fall off the horse that way. Like instead of just leaning on the grace of God, we, I mean, that's why Paul had to write to the Galatians, right? You foolish Galatians. Like, what are you doing? You started with the works of the Holy Spirit and you're finishing with the acts of the flesh. Like, come on guys. But then we feel like, I need to justify myself. Like I need to, people are giving a lot of money for me to be here, to live, to, to do ministry, to love Slovenes, to, to be in their lives. And so I, I have to show for it, you know? And so there's that, that feeling of like, you, you've got to justify yourself. You've got to write some good prayer letters, you know? And we went through a time in Lithuania that was just a crazy time of refinement, Thomas. Uh, God was testing us deeply. Yes. Um, I mean, we went there with, with crew uh, to do evangelism. Like that was our primary. We were going to a new city, our main job, do evangelism on the campus, 20 months, Nobody accepted Christ. Now, is that because I'm horrible at sharing the gospel? Probably not, but maybe. I mean, I'm not going to. No, I, I think it's like it was just it was hard. Like we would we were knocking on doors in, in mm-hmm. dorm rooms. We were on the streets. You know, we were doing all kinds of trying outside the box, whatever we could do. Um, but it was just people weren't responding to the gospel. And so that was really hard because it had to, we had to redefine like what's success is success being able to write a, a prayer letter saying, yeah, a thousand people accepted Christ this last week and we've got a new, you know, five new churches. Mm. Like, okay, that's not going to happen. But like one person accepted Christ this year, you know? Like, yeah. Um, and so God really just pushed us like, what is success? And, and we had to come back to success is trying to listen to what God has and being obedient to it. Yeah. So... If he's calling us to do evangelism, are we going out and doing evangelism? Are we doing it to being faithful to what he's called us to do there? And you got to leave the results up to God mm-hmm. because we, we can't force anybody in the kingdom. Yeah, as you're, as you're sitting there talking, I'm thinking of 1 Corinthians 3 where, where Paul talks about, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Right. Um, you know, the hypothetical question. So, you know, if, if God lays on your heart a, a ministry to a certain people group, you go and you faithfully preach the gospel for five years and no one repents and becomes a Christian, are you a failure as a missionary? Yeah. No. Right. Exactly. Like, like, if you are obedient to what God's calling you to do and you're being faithful, that's all he's calling us yes. to do. Yes. Yeah. And, and sometimes we see great seasons of growth. Absolutely. Um, where it's just like, wow. But sometimes we don't. Yeah. You know, even in our own ministry experience, um, we've had situations where we maybe shared the gospel with somebody over over the course of many months, uh, saw absolutely, positively no interest in the gospel. Ten years later, we find out that, you know, along the way, 
um, the Lord was continuing to send messengers of the gospel into this person's life. And they became a Christian. They, they came to sure. be a follower of Jesus Christ. You, you don't know. Sometimes that may be happening right now up in you know Lithuania where you were. Yeah. You may never know that. Right. But it would never happen unless you had been faithful and God had placed you in that, that place to, yeah. you know, to, to preach the gospel. Yeah. So all we can do is be faithful and obedient. Yeah. That's it. And uh, yeah, so you got to do what God's calling you to do. And mm. that's about it. Yeah. Anything else you want to share? Yeah. I mean, the other thing, like with that, the question you asked about, you know, like what do people not know about missionaries? Missionaries are always going to, and this goes with your like, translator tool yeah <laughs> um like we we call it guiltitude like oftentimes uh between some of the missionaries i know uh where like if you you know somebody says oh you got a new computer new phone or like you got a new used car <laughs> um you you always have to you know there's got to be disclaimers yeah like oh yeah uh-huh like you you even asked me today like oh wait what year is this car and i i said, oh, yeah, our car, you know, it's this year, and we got a... Yeah, I'm not even saying the year right now. Do you notice that? Right. Um, <laughs> but then, like, oh, it was a good deal, and here's why it was a good deal, and you got to... Yes. You feel like you have to prove everything. Any money you spend, you feel like you have to prove it. Yeah. Especially if people are watching. Um, and so you're just, you feel like you're constantly in this fishbowl. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes you have the freedom to do stuff, but, like, if my wife and I go on vacation, we never will take a photo. Mm-hmm. that will be posted online um, because we think well I don't know are people okay with missionaries taking a vacation like you know we go camping or you know we my wife and I we had an anniversary we you know it's like so you just you're constantly living under that scrutiny of like what's okay what's not okay what do people think I don't want to offend anybody uh, and some of that I understand yeah like Paul talks about in Romans 14 but like there's some other being aware of other people's consciences, yeah. but there's definitely pressure that we all feel. And so we've got to feel like we have to justify all expenditures, you know, and I, I can understand to a certain extent, you, you don't want people to be taking advantage of a system. Um, if yeah. you're, if you're giving money and because we see these prosperity preachers who, you know, they're, uh, they're out there flying in, in $50 million <laughs> jets and, and driving Rolls Royce and living in these big houses. There, there is this heightened sense of people like, I want to make sure that the money that I'm giving, whether it be the church or an individual that is supporting you. Right. Um, so we understand that. But at the same time, if, if you can't trust the missionary that you're supporting, <clears throat> yeah. you, you shouldn't be given to them in the first place. Absolutely, Thomas. And know and, the people you're giving to. Yeah, know the people you're giving to. Know the church that's sending them out. Um, organization, just, like, do you trust the organization? Do, yeah. Are, are they, like, are do they, some, do some homework. Folks. Do some homework. Yeah. And then if you trust them, trust them and give them the freedom. And I think to, um, every now and then, you know, you get one of those special, like, Hey, just go do something fun with this money mm-hmm. instead of like, use it for ministry. Yes. Um, and it's like, Oh wow. Like every now and then you get some of those like, Oh, thanks for just blessing me. And I get a, you know, I'll take my wife out or something like that. Yeah. And that's those, those times are fun when there's just no strings attached. So when you get that new 2003 <laughs> Ford Taurus with 245,000 miles on it, you just want to make sure people know you got a really good deal on it. Man. Yeah. Just because I put some nice rims on that thing and hydraulics doesn't mean... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, for sure. Like, it's... Yeah. It's just the pressure we all live under. Yeah. Oh, so I, I've, I told you a little bit about this in, in a car ride we were taking earlier today. 
Um, I've had this idea. I'm going to write this book. I keep talking about it. I'm going to write my little booklet. It's a little booklet, not a book. Randy Alcorn's an author. I'm Thomas. Whoa, um, hey, come on. <laughs> so, um, you know, how to support a missionary. And in our personal experience that we had on the front lines, what I call the front lines of mission. So we were on the field in Russia. Now right. we work on what I call supply lines missions. So, okay. um, you know, For overseas missionaries, overseas right? missionaries. Yep. Yeah. Or cross-cultural, uh, cross-cultural missionaries. missionaries. Um, some of the, the themes that keep coming up that I hear that are major discouragements to missionaries that, I, that are small, small steps that either a church as a whole, or if you're an individual supporting missionary, um, that you can do to, better support and encourage your missionary. These are a few that I've had come out to me. And if you feel, feel free to chime in and add any more to this list. Shoot, bro. Number one, read the prayer letters that go out. Um, so we're in the day of MailChimp and, you know, other types of campaign things uh, where, I don't know if many people know this, but when I send out a MailChimp campaign, <laughs> I see how many people opened the email and who they are. Yep, that's true. And it's usually a discouraging report. It is a, yes. When it comes back, you're like, oh, a third to, you know, 40% of the people read emails. Yeah. So you've put together this mailing list of, you know, sometimes people have list upwards of missionaries will have it up four or 500 people. Sometimes more, sometimes less, just depends. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And 30% actually open the letter. And so you know that there's only a small percentage that are actually reading what's going on in your life mm-hmm. and praying for you. Now, you're, you're thankful for those that do. Absolutely. But is it ever discouraging to you when you see, eh, Sure. I wish people would open it more and read it. Yeah, sure. I mean, the reason we write those is so that people know what's going on. Yeah. And how we're doing and, and stuff like that. Because we really feel like an extension of Gresham Bible Church. like as our, our sending church. And then there's a, a couple other churches uh, in the Northwest that support us. And like, we feel like we're your people, man. Yeah. Like we're over here. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I know we're all busy. I get it. And we yeah. get loads of emails where I get way too many as well, but um, knowing, knowing the people you support. Yeah. And, and asking them how they're doing every now and then mm-hmm. instead of just being passively reading, like, I remember last, uh, or I don't know when it was, but we were in the States and doing uh, our home assignment or furlough, as some call it, and checking in with supporters. We had two months to just kind of travel around, meet with people. And there was one couple who asked us how our marriage was doing. And I, I told them, I said, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Just because I'm a missionary doesn't mean my everything's going great. Mm-hmm. Um, so take time to care. Yeah. Read the letters. Pray, pray yeah. for them, actually pray for them. And, and another thing I would tell people is let, let them know you're praying. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was always a huge boost to us and still is because I still send out prayer updates to people that support us because we're still support based. Mm-hmm. Um, people say, thanks for the update. We're praying for you. Yeah. Or just a, just a little blurb. Um, that makes you actually want to write more updates. Yeah, it does. Because like, oh, it, it is doing something. Yeah. So instead of just going off into electronic land. And one more, one more very practical thing, as, as much as possible, or if it's possible, try to give a missionary, if you're going to be changing their support one way or the other, yeah. either increasing or decreasing, most of the time it's decreasing, 
if you're going to be changing it because there are i mean there's legitimate yeah, life circumstances for sure. so you don't want to guilt people into thinking I can, I can say this with a clear conscience, I think you feel the same way, that we both completely understand yep. when there are situations where people either have to decrease or drop support. Yeah. But if you know it's coming, if, you, if, you look, if you're looking down the road and saying, you know, we're, we're just not going to be able to do the same amount, right. um, try as early as possible to give them advance warning yeah. so that they can go out and, and maybe prayerfully begin seeking other uh, supportive partners in the ministry. Right. In the same way that I think, you know, supporters want to hear if like if I'm going to be coming home or leaving the ministry, like they want to know what's going on, like so they can look at their future, too. It's it's the yeah. same thing. Yeah. Like clear communication is <laughs> good communication. So. Yeah. Anything else you want to add to that? Like, uh, I think, you know, those are some great some great pieces of advice. And then. Um, hmm. If you ever can, I and mean, this is kind of a tricky one too, but like just having you here, Thomas, mm-hmm. like you get to see my world. Like nobody knows my world that I, my, nobody knows the neighborhood I live in and, and the people that in my church and the, the young people I get to interact with all the time. And so it's fun when somebody comes and actually sees. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's just a special time. And I realize not very many people can come over yeah. and visit. And honestly, I don't want everybody to come over and visit because I'm not going to get anything done then if. People are always here, but <laughs> you know what about tour, missions tour agency, <laughs> Slovenia missions, come and visit Matt, start yeah. a hostel. Yeah. Um, so, but I think it, it is special though. Like if a church sends somebody just to come see and, and then bring back a little report or something like that too. Like, it's just, it's really encouraging that people know they care. Yeah. Um, so, and well, I, I think another thing too, like one thing GBC did a years ago that was, that I'm, my wife and I just can't get over. I remember you guys just said, what do you guys need right now? Like, don't just, you know, tell us all the nice, happy. And, and honestly, I said, honestly, if you could do anything to help us out, like we could really use a babysitter during this one time. We had little, little kids then. And I said, if you could send over like an older lady from the church just to help watch the kids for a week while we have this really big camp, like that would be a massive help. And you guys said, well, we, we could pay for somebody, an older person in the church to come over, but what about like your wife's mom? Can mm. we just send her over? Yeah. I'm like, well, she's not a part of your church. And you, well, that's okay. Let's like, if we're going to invest money, let's make it really count. And it was huge. Cause I've never heard of a church saying like, all right, we're not getting anything out of this. We're just blessing you. Yeah. Cause usually it's like, Hey, we want our people to go over experience stuff. They come back, bring some blessings. You know, it's kind of that uh, symbiotic relationship. And there's like, no, let's just pay for her mom to come over. Yeah. We're like, whoa, because her parents didn't have the money at that time to, to come over and help. So it was huge. And that really impacted us in huge ways. We're like, man, you guys care. You just care. It's not the strings attached. It was yeah. just like, we just care. We want to help. And, and Matt, that encouraged me so much because that's the kind of stuff that I feel burdened to do more of, uh, have our, our missions ministry at our church do more of. And even from a personal standpoint, for the longest time, my love of my love of the local church always grows, but um, wanting the local church to know how to be more connected mm. to missionaries on the field. You've heard yeah. the old, you know, give us your people, give us your dough, get out of the way because here we go. It's just like so. Parachurch organizations do tons of great work. But the job of the parachurch is to be supportive of the local church. Amen. And, and parachurch ministries that do mission work, like Josiah Venture, like our organization, like others, um, 
it's easy to say for a local church, say we're, we're kind of like subcontracting these missionaries out to this other organization, but there is still a vested interest that that church should have. There's still a responsibility. Yeah. Um, so we want to be, you know, really supportive of you in more ways than just, just finances. I mean, and we want to be like involved in some way. And I have seen the value over the last couple of years in the type of work that I've done in support ministry with our own organization. I've had the amazing opportunity to visit missionaries that are doing cross-cultural ministry in Canada, Alaska, Russia, places like that, yeah. and come back and be a missions advocate. Yeah. So it's it's your voice, it's your statesman or stateswoman on the other side of the pond that is helping explain your context to others. And so it's not necessarily going to be me coming over every time or going to see our other missionaries that we support, but um, hopefully in paving the way for future trips for maybe a couple to come over or maybe a, a young woman to come over and spend time with your wife um, to really give that level of support. So, And we have other missionaries our church support. We want to do the same thing for them because um, I think it'll be a blessing to us. And as a church and thank be a blessing you, to your family and a blessing thank you, to your ministry. Thank, so. you, thank you, thank you, thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Matt, it's been absolutely fantastic talking with you today. We could go on and on. We've been having great conversations. Yeah, it's been a blast having you. Yeah, my voice is getting, I'm losing my voice. I'm talking so much. So uh, guest, guest host today on the Men of Athens podcast uh, with Matt Mormant, serves with Josiah Venture here in Slovenia. want to uh, give a quick uh, rundown of some housekeeping business here. So this podcast, uh, you can subscribe on iTunes, or if you're on an Android device, you can download the Anchor.fm app. Uh, it is a special app for podcasts. Uh, we're also menofathens.com on the webs, on the internets out there. <laughs> on the webs. <laughs> on the webs. <laughs> and we also have a Twitter handle. We are all about that. All right. So the MOA podcast. If you're on Twitter, the MOA podcast all together. You can always send us a question to questions at menofathens.com. So, Matt, thank you, bro. Anything else you want to share with us? No, nah, man, this was fun. It's just been great. All right, this so, will be going out to millions of people. Millions. Just billions. It's going to be huge. Okay, stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> you said, I said, no voice like that. No voice. All right, anyway, uh, thank you for joining us for the Men of Athens podcast. We always want to end with this verse that we want you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Amen, bro. You've been listening to the Men of Athens podcast. If you have a question or comment that you would like us to address on a future episode, email us at questions at menofathens.com.